Chapter 9. I have the worst family reunion ever. Annabeth volunteered to go alone since she had the cap of invisibility. But I convinced her it was too dangerous. Either we all went together or nobody went. Nobody, Tyson voted. Please. But in the end, he came along nervously, chewing on his huge fingernails. We stopped at our cabin long enough to gather our stuff. We figured whatever happened, we would not be staying another night aboard the zombie cruise ship. Even if they did have million dollar bingo, I made sure Riptide was in my pocket and the vitamins and termites from Hermes were at the top of my back. I didn't want Tyson to carry everything, but he insisted. And Annabeth told me not to worry about it. Tyson could carry three full duffel bags over his shoulder as easily as I could carry a backpack. We sneaked through the corridors, following the ships, you are here signs, toward the Amiri Sea. Annabeth scouted ahead invisibility. 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 We hid where whenever someone passed by, but most of the people we saw were just glassy-eyed zombie passengers. As we came up the stairs to deck 13, where the admiralty suit was supposed to be, Annabeth hissed, hide, and shove us into a supply closet. I heard a couple of guys coming down the hall. You see that... I thought been draping in the cargo hold, one of them said, the other laughed. Yeah, it's awesome. Annabeth was still invisible, but she squeezed my arm hard. I got a feeling I should know that second guy's voice. I, I fear they got two more coming, a familiar voice said. They keep arriving this rate. Oh man, no contest. The voice faded down the corridor. That was Chris Rodriguez. Advent took off her cap and turned visible. You remember from Cabin 11? I sort of recalled Chris from the summer before. He was one of those undetermined campers who got stuck in the Hermes cabin because his Olympian dad or mom never claimed him. Now that I thought of it, I realized I hadn't seen Chris at camp this summer. What's another hapla doing here? Annabeth shook her head. Clearly troubled. We kept going down the corridor. I didn't need maps anymore to know I was getting close to you. I sensed something cold and unpleasant. The presence of evil. Percy! Annabeth stopped suddenly. Look! She stood in front of the glass wall, looking down into the monastery canyon that ran through the middle of the ship. At the bottom was the promenade. A mall full of shops, but that's not why had caught what had caught Annabeth's attention. A group of monsters had assembled in front of the candy store. A dozen Lystrigonian giants, like the ones who attacked me with dodgeballs, two hellhounds, and a few even stranger creatures. Humanoid females with twin serpent tails instead of legs. Sitian Dracane, Annabeth whispered, dragon women. 
the monsters made a semicircle around a young guy in Greek armor who was hacking on a straw dummy. A lump formed in my throat when I realized the dummy was wearing an orange Camp Hoplet shirt. As he watched, the guy in armor stabbed the dummy through its belly and ripped upward. Straw flew everywhere. The monsters cheered in the house. Annabeth stepped away from the window. Her face was ashen. Come on, come on, I told her, trying to sound braver than I felt. The sooner I find Luke, the better. At the end of the hallway were double oak doors that looked like they must lead somewhere important. When we were 30 feet away, Tyson stopped. Voices inside. You can hear that far? I asked. Tyson closed his eye like he was concentrating hard. Then his voice changed, becoming a husky approximation to Luke's. The prophecy ourselves. The fools won't know which way to turn. Before I could act, react, Tyson's voice changed again, becoming deeper, deeper and gruffer. Like the other guy, we'd heard talking to Luke outside the cafeteria. You really think the old horseman is gone for good? Tyson laughed like Luke's laugh. <laughs> they can't trust him not with his skeletons in his closet. The poisoning of the tree was the final straw. Annabeth shivered. Stop that, Tyson. How do you do that? It's creepy. Tyson opened his eye and looked puzzled. Just listening. Keep going, I said. What else are they saying? Tyson closed his eye again. He hissed in a gruff man's voice. Quiet! Then Luke's voice, whispering. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yes, Tyson said in a gruff voice. Right outside. Too late. I realized what was happening. I just had time to say, run, when the doors of the stateroom first opened and there was Luke, flying by two hairy giants, armed with javelins, their bronze tips aimed right at our chest. Well, Luke said with a crook smile, if it isn't my two favorite cousins, come right in. The stateroom was beautiful, and it was horrible. The beautiful part, huge windows curved along the back wall, looking out, over the stern of the ship. Green sea and blue skies stretched all the way to the horizon. A Persian rug covered the floor. Two plush sofas occupied the middle of the room. With a canopied bed in one corner and a mahogany dining table in the other. The table was loaded with food, pizza, boxes, bottles of soda, and a sack of roast beef sandwiches on a silver plate. The horrible part, on the velvet days, at the back of the room lay a 10-foot-long golden casket, a sarcophagus engraved with ancient Greek scenes of cities in flames, and heroes dying grisly deaths, despite sunlight streaming through the windows. When the, ca the casket made the whole room feel cold, well, Luke said, spreading his arms proudly, a little nicer than cabin 11, huh? He'd changed since the last summer. Instead of Bermuda shorts and a t-shirt, he wore button-down shirt and khaki pants. 
and leather loafers. His sandy hair, which used to be so unruly, was now clipped short. He looked like an evil male model showing off what the fashionable college villain was wearing to have Harvard this year. He still had a scar under his eye, a jagged white line from his bow with a dragon, and propped against his sofa was his magical sword, Blackbiter, glinting strangely with its half-steel, half-celestial bronze blade that could kill both mortals and monsters. Sit, he told us, he waved his hand at three dining chairs. He waved his hand and three dining chairs scooted themselves into the corner of the room. None of us sat. Luke's large friends were still pointing their javelins at us. They looked like twins, but they weren't human. They stood about eight feet tall, for one thing, and only wore blue jeans, probably because their enormous chests were hardly, were already shag carpeted with thick brown fur. They had claws for fingernails, feet like paws, their noses were stamp-like, and their teeth were all pointed canines. Where are my manners? Luke said smoothly. These are my assistants, Agrius and Orius. Perhaps you heard of them? I said nothing. Despite the javelins pointed at me, it wasn't the bear twins who scared me. I imagined meeting Luke again many times since he tried to kill me last summer. I figured myself boldly standing up to him, challenging him to a duel. But now that standing up to him but now that we were face to face, I could barely stop my hands from shaking. You don't know Agrius and Oria's story? Luke asked. Their mother, well, it's sad really. Aphrodite ordered the young man to fall in love. She refused and ran to Artemis for help. Artemis let her become one of her maiden huntresses. But Aphrodite got her revenge. She bewitched the young woman into falling in love with a bear. When Artemis found up, out, she abandoned the girl in disgust. Typical of the gods, wouldn't you say? They fight with one another and the poor humans get caught in the middle. The girl's twin sons here, Agrius and Orius, have no love for Olympus. Like, they're like caplets all enough. So, for lunch, Agrius growled. His gruff voice was the one I'd heard talking with Luke earlier. He-he-he-he's rather Aureus laughed, licking his fur-lined lips. Then he kept laughing like he was having an asthmatic fit until Luke and Agrius both stared at him. Shut up, you idiot, Agrius growled. No, go punish yourself, Aureus whimpered. He trudged over to the corner of the room, slumped on a stool, and banged his forehead against the dining table, making the silver plates rattle. Luke acted like this, is, this was perfectly normal behavior. He made himself comfortable on the sofa and propped his feet on the coffee table. Well, Percy, will let you survive another year. I hope you appreciated it. How's your mom? How's school? You poisoned Talia's tree! 
looks like right to the point, eh? Okay, sure, I poisoned the tree. So what? How could you? Annabeth sounded so angry. I thought she'd explode. Talia saved her life, our lives. How could you dishonor her? I didn't dishonor her, looked Snap. The gods dishonored her, Annabeth. If Talia were alive, she'd be on my side. Liar! If you knew what was coming, you'd understand. I understand you want to destroy the camp, she yelled. You're a monster! Luke shook his head. The gods have blinded you. Can you imagine a world without them, Annabeth? What is good in the ancient story we you study? 3,000 years of baggage. The West is rotten to the core. It had to be destroyed. Join me. We can start the world anew. We could use your intelligence, Annabeth. Because you have none of your own. As I snarled, I know you, Annabeth. You deserve better than tagging along with some hopeless quest to save the camp. Hamlet Hill will, overrun, will be overrun by monsters within the month. The heroes who survive will have no choice but to join us or be hunted to extinction. You really want to be on the losing team with company like this. Luke pointed to Tyson. Hey, I said, traveling with a cyclops. Luke shouted. Talk about dishonoring Talia's memory. I'm surprised at you, Annabeth. You of all people, stop it! She shouted. I didn't know what Luke was talking about, but Annabeth buried her ha head in her hands, hands like she was about to cry. Leave her alone, I said, and leave Tyson out of this, Luke laughed. Oh yeah, I heard your father claimed him. I must have looked surprised because Luke smiled. Yes, Percy, I know all about that and about your plan to find the fleas. We were, do what were those coordinates then? Again, 30, 31, 75, 12. You see, I still have friends at camp who keep me posted. Spies, you mean. How many insults from your father can you stand, Percy? You think he's grateful to you? You think Poseidon cares for you and any more than he cares for this monster? Tyson clenched his fists and made a rumbling sound down in his throat. Luke just chuckled. The gods are so using you, Percy. Do you have an idea what's in store for you when you reach your 16th birthday? Has Chiron ever told you the prophecy? I want to get in Luke's face and tell him off, but as usual, he knew just how to throw me a balance. 16th birthday? I mean, I knew Chiron has received a prophecy from the Oracle many years ago. I knew part of it was about me, but if I reached my 16th birthday, I didn't like the sound of that. I know what I need to know, I manage. Like, who my enemies are. Then you're a fool. Dyson smashed the nearest signing chair to splinters. Percy is not a fool! Before I could stop him, he charged Luke. His fist came toward Luke's head. A double overhead blow that would have knocked him whole into the titanium. But the bear twins intercepted. They each caught one of Tyson's arms and stopped him cold. They pushed his, them, him back and Tyson stumbled. He fell to the carpet so hard the desk shook. Too bad, Cyclops, Luke said. Looks like my grizzly friends together are more than a match for your strength. Maybe I should let them... Luke, I caught it. Listen to me. Your father sent us... His face turned a color of pepperoni. 
don't even mention him. He told us to take his boat, this boat. I thought it was just for a ride, but he sent us here to find you. He told me he won't give up on you, no matter how angry you are. Angry you are. Angry? Rook Luke roared. Give up on me. He abandoned me. Percy, I want Olympus destroyed. Every throne crushed to rubble. You tell Hermes it's going to happen too. Each time a half blood joins us, the Olympians grow weaker and we grow stronger. He grows stronger. Luke pointed to the gold sarcophagus. The box creeped me out, but I was determined not to show it. So I demanded, What's so special? Then it hit me. What might be inside the sarcophagus? The temperature in the room seemed to drop 20 degrees. Whoa, you don't mean... He is reforming, Luke said. Little by little, we're calling his life force out of the pit. With every recruit who pledges our cause, another small piece appears. That's disgusting, Annabeth said. Luke sneered at her. Your mother was born from Zeus' split skull, Annabeth. I wouldn't talk. Soon there will be enough of the Titan Lord so that we can make him rule again. We will piece together a new body for him, a work worthy of the fortress of Hevatasis. You're insane, Annabeth said. Join us and you'll be rewarded. We have powerful friends, sponsors rich enough to buy us this cruise ship. And much more, Percy. Your mother will never have to work again. You can buy her a mansion. You can have power, fame, whatever you want, Annabeth. You can re whatever you want, Annabeth. You can realize your dream of being an architect. You can build a monument to last a thousand years and temple to the lords of the next age. Go to their terrace, she said. Luke sighed. A shame. He picked up something that looked like a TV remote and pressed a red button. Within seconds, the door of the stateroom opened and two uniformed crew members came in armed with nightsticks. They had the same glassy-eyed look as the other mortals I'd seen, but I had a feeling this wouldn't make them any less dangerous in the fight. Ah, uh, good security, Luke said. I'm afraid we have some stowaways. Yes, sir, they said dreamily. Luke turned to Aureus. It's time to feed the Eotopen Draken. Take these fools below and show them how it's done. Aureus grinned stupidly. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Let me go too, Annabeth grumbled. Hey, no, not Annabeth. Ag let me go too, Agrius grumbled. My brother, uh, my brother is worthless. That Cyclops is no threat, Luke said. He glanced back at the golden casket, as if something were troubling him. Agrius, stay here. We have important matters to discuss. But... Aureus, don't fail me. Stay in hold to make sure the draken is properly fed. Aureus prodded us with his javelin and herded us out of the safe room, followed by two human security guards. As I walked down the corridor with Aureus' javelin poking me in the back, I thought about what Luke had said. The bear twins together were a match for Tyson's strength, but maybe separately we exit. We ex 
exited the corridor amidships and walked across an open deck lined with lifeboats. I knew the ship well enough to realize this would be your last look at the sunlight. Once we got to, our, to our, the other side, we take the elevator down to hold, and that would be it. I looked at Tyson and said, Now! Thank the gods, he understood. He turned and smacked Arya's thirty feet backward into the swimming pool, right into the middle of the zombie tourist family. Ah! The kids yelled in unison, We are not having a blast in the pool! One of the security guards drew his nightstick, but Annabeth knocked the wind out of him with a well-paced kick. The other guard ran for the nearest alarm box. Stop him! Annabeth yelled, but it was too late. Just before I banged him on the head with a deck chair, hit the alarm. Red lights flashed. Sirens wailed. Lifeboat! I yelled. We ran for the nearest one. By the time we got the cover-up, monsters and more security men were swarming the deck pushing aside tourists and waiters with trays of tropical drinks. A guy in Greek armor drew his sword and charged, but slipped in a puddle of pinna colata. Lysergon and archers assembled on the deck above us, not notching arrows in their enormous bows. How do you launch this thing? screamed Annabeth. A hellhound leaped at me, but Tyson slammed it aside with a fire extinguisher. Get in, I yelled. I can't rub tight and slash the first volley of arrows out of the air. Any second, we would be overwhelmed. The lifeboat was hanging over the side of the ship, high above the water. Annabeth and Tyson were having no luck with the release pulley. I jumped in beside them. Hold on, I yelled, and I cut the ropes. A shower of arrows whistled over our heads as we free fell toward the ocean.